good Tuesday morning to you, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf, alongside Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall, Kevin oh, Wilds. Wow. Show yourself, Kevin. There he is. Hey, I'm going to pull the curtain my, back. My kids move my camera. Just a smidge. Hold on. <laughs> to let you guys know what our big topic du jour was right before we came on the air, it was Brandon Marshall's turtleneck. Sure. I said, want to talk Raiders? Should it we talk Clippers? Should we talk Eagles? It no. looks great. Brandon's mock t-shirt turtleneck underneath the blazer was the hot topic this I love morning. It. Great. So with that, yeah. since it has nothing to do with the Raiders, I figure let's start with a little Monday Night Football. You do look great. All three of you look great. Let us go. <laughs> In Vegas this morning, Raiders Saints, not pass. quite the night that Ooh. Drew Brees envisioned, missed his star receiver, That's Michael Thomas, a lot. Threw an interception just before halftime, setting up a Raiders field goal. And that Saints offense, man, they, they never, they just never really put it together last night. Derek Carr was the better quarterback in this one as the Raiders open up Allegiant Stadium with a W. Here is Saints quarterback Drew Brees now on what went wrong. Um, are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. We're not even close to what we are capable of. Not even close. Um, we did some good things tonight early on, but it just... Uh, just wasn't enough for the the few opportunities we had. We need to take better advantage of that. All right, Brandon, let's start with you. And let's start with Drew Brees. What would you make of his specific performance last night? Uh, I mean, it was exactly what I expected. You know, every everyone crushed me back in uh, April around the draft when I talked about this team potentially um, not being a contender. I thought that they'll have success because they're explosive on offense when 41 and 13's in there and you got Drew Brees upright. Uh, but you got a guy who, who makes up for 41% of what you do in the passing game out. Mike Thomas is a big deal. But I think we see that across the league where you have a number one option, you have a number one, a number two option, you have a number three option. But with this team, it's just a little bit different. You know, Drew Brees and Coach Payton, they're uncomfortable getting other guys involved outside of 13 and 41. Drew Brees, when you think about everything that he does from a procedure and a system standpoint, he is a creature of habit and understanding who's in the huddle and feel really good about who he's working with. He understands body language. He understands how you wear your jersey. When I was there, I saw this guy do the same thing over and over again, preparing for the game, the way he sets up his clothes in his locker room. So when you don't have 13 in there and you, you're on the same page and you guys have done things out of his historical high that really makes him feel uncomfortable it makes coach Payton feels uncomfortable you know you can't just plug in a guy that you haven't gotten reps with and think that they're going to come in and can give you something close to the output Mike Thomas have given you so you know last night was exactly what I thought would happen um, you know when, when when 13 isn't there or, or or they're not healthy or someone takes them out um, so this team has a lot of work to do but I think it's going to be tough because Drew is uncomfortable throwing to other wide receivers outside of, you know, Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara. And even look at it, I think Alvin Kamara had 22, 23 touches last night. And then the second yep. guy was uh, 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 the kid Smith. The, you know, he, he caught the ball five Trey times. He had five touches. And yep. then the person, the, the person next to him had three or two catches. You know, that's not good enough. You know, and he, he said he likes to spread the ball around. He likes to throw 
to the open receiver. But the, the reality is that Coach Payton is one of the best at uh, uh, game planning. He understands what defenses are going to run on first down, second down, third down. He can tell you the percentages, you know, going into the fringe area on third down. 70% of the time, this team is going to play this. So he knows what guys to put in spots. And they just don't do a good job of uh, really well, divvying that up to other guys on the well, team. And it showed last night how uncomfortable they were. And Brandon, you laid that out well before we knew Michael Thomas was hurt when we were doing our preseason picks. One of the reasons you weren't as high on the Saints is because they are so incredibly reliant on their two star playmakers in Kamara and Michael Thomas. And let me be clear here. The Saints have issues other than Michael Thomas wasn't there. Drew Brees is dinking and dunking and looking his age. You also have a, a run defense that when you knew the Raiders were running and they didn't have Trent Brown, they didn't have Richie Incognito, they still ran the ball down your throat. And late in the game, when they were just trying to grind clock, they ended up running for a 30-yard touchdown. So, like, the Saints have other big-picture issues that could prevent them from reaching their second Super yeah. Bowl of the Drew Brees era, which everything's been building towards. But I cannot That's get over. over the fact that, that, well, and I know you've already written them off on that, and I think the America might do the <laughs> same shortly. But I can't get over the fact that Michael Thomas should have been out there. Not saying he should have played through the injury. He shouldn't have been injured. We saw in a great example this week of how brutal the NFL is with all the awful injuries suffered yeah. in week two. Which is why, yep. if you're fortunate enough to be in a kneel-down situation, you must take the knees. The, the Saints were in a spot yesterday, yeah. last week, where the game was over, Brandon. They, they, they could have taken four knees, forget a field goal, just take knees on first, second, third, fourth down, and the Bucks would have had the ball with 20 seconds left, down 11 at the 10. So last week I thought it got glazed over that Michael Thomas got hurt because Sean Payton was trying to run up the score. That's all he was trying to do. Yeah. And now what could be your last best chance to get to a Super Bowl with Drew Brees is slightly, if not more than slightly, derailed. I think Sean Payton should be the subject of massive criticism for the play in which Michael Thomas got hurt because the game was over and they could have taken knees and you saw the impact of it last night, Brandon. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I get it and, and definitely understand that the game was over. But here, here's what I know. This team has a lot of swagger. I, I got to be honest. I was there. That was my last stop. That was, you know, my last cup of tea. I was there for, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a little over a month. Um, and when I tell you this team has swagger, I mean, from the way they approach practice, what they do in the locker room, and I think that starts with coach. So sometimes you win with that attitude, sometimes you lose. And we saw that. You, you laid it out nicely. You know, Mike Thomas could have been easily on the sideline with his ball cap on, but they decided to continue with that swagger and that approach of just being who they are. They play with a lot of attitude. You know, they don't care about what the NFL thinks. They don't care about what the, what the other teams think. They're going to play their game. So I think that's one of the reasons why coach is so loved and respected in that locker room but to your point it, it end up hurting them but I but I, I gotta say as a player you know I, I want to play for a coach that has that type of swagger and that type of attitude you know because I think you need that uh, to be a successful football player you need that to be a, a successful football team and, and sometimes you win sometimes you lose
Wilds. Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two options here. So Drew Brees air yards less than five, 4.82, historically bad. So two options for you because you brought up earlier how much he missed Michael Thomas. Is Drew Brees fine and he just looks cooked because he misses Michael Thomas, or is Drew Brees' arm cooked and it just so happens that Michael Thomas also isn't there? Yeah, no, I think we know who Drew Brees is. You know, when I was there in 2018, like, I, they cut me right before Christmas. Uh, so when I was there, you know, I, I got a I got an opportunity to see exactly what this offense was. This offense is a you know is built in a way to get the ball out quick. You know, a lot of the the balls that Mike Thomas catching, Alvin Kamara running back, it's really like five yard plays. Uh, they're five yard option routes. They're 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 routes where it can he can run in, he can run out. They're slant routes. They run a lot of slants. They run quick outs. Uh, so you know, and then the running back, you know, he's running a lot of different option routes and a lot of things out the backfield where he has, you know, two or three options of where he can go uh, with that particular route. So I think Drew Brees uh, is playing his game. I just think he's uncomfortable. It goes back to not having 13. You know, when he drops back, you know, he, he talks about, you know, I, you know, I go to the open guys. Really, where's 13? And if 13 isn't there, I'm going to 41. If 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 Alvin Kamara is is the number one option, he's looking for him. Then he's looking for for 13. And then he, you know, he he he, he throws to his um to his check down. But this offense is built in a way to get the ball out quick. Wilds is a good point. But Drew Brees to me is not yeah. cooked. He's just uncomfortable because his main man isn't in there. You know who did look comfortable last night? Derek Carr. Raiders now 2-0, not to be overlooked. Let's take a turn now, talk some Eagles on the other side. What's going on with Carson Wentz? Wait till you hear what his coach had to say. Next, first things first. First Things First is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Week two of the NFL is here, and we are entering our fantasy lineups on FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great! FanDuel's offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. And this year, FanDuel is now offering daily snake drafts. I couldn't be more excited about this unique format. Snake drafts are the simplest way to try daily fantasy. Draft live, just like season-long fantasy, but with winners every game day. The best of seasonal drafting with DFS all-in-one. Here's how it works. Find a daily snake draft. Draft your team live. The draft starts as soon as the contest fills. You and your opponents will draft six players in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. Unlike other FanDuel contests, there's no salary cap. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with your 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com FTF or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. That's FanDuel.com FTF. FanDuel, more ways to win. All right, let us take a turn, talk about what is going on down in Philadelphia. Two games played, two games lost, a brutal one to division rival Washington, then a brutal one to the Rams at home. And it is hard, guys, not to place some of that blame on Carson Wentz. He's got a league-worst four picks and a fumble. And then this from head coach Doug Peterson yesterday when asked about his starting quarterback. Take a listen. 
Carson's fifth year in the league and fifth year working with you. Why are you seeing his production and his performance regress? Progress? Regress. Oh, regress. regress. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did cut out there a second. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a good question. Wow. Oof. Terrible. I said a lot without saying a lot. Nick, I'll start with you. What, what did you make of Doug Peterson's honesty there? Oh, man. Caught him off guard. Oh I, oh, I love that. I loved it because Brandon, you he betrays his whole feelings by his reaction when he thought the questioner said progress. He's like, wait, progress? Yeah. Oh, regress? Okay, we're on the same page here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not as good as he used to be. All right, I just want to make sure we all agree here. He used to be awesome, and now he kind of stinks, and it bothers me, too. Like, and so this is the $128 million question for the Philadelphia Eagles. Brandon, what's happened to their quarterback? In 2017, he was an A-plus player until he got hurt against the Rams. In 2018, he w his numbers were good, but he only played 11 games, and they were 5-6 and six in those 11 games. So he was like a B-level player. Last year, he played the whole season, but didn't play very well. We blamed his receivers. He was like a B-minus, C-plus player. This year, he's been a barely passing student at best. He already has four interceptions. He, the, the team has been outscored 64 to 19 over their last 91 yeah. minutes of football. And a lot of it, that interception we just showed, Brandon, was when they had come back in that game, they were down five. Chance to take the lead, not that pick, but the one in the end zone. And he throws this pick in the end zone. Like, I don't know what's wrong with Carson Wentz, but he certainly is regressing, and his coach knows it. <laughs> no, I, I love the honesty, but I, I don't think that was smart for him to do that publicly. Um, I think, it, okay. you know, he was being transparent. I think, you know, a lot of people in that organization, you know, from what I'm hearing, they don't really know. They don't know why things are uh, uh, shaping out the way they are. But when you really look at it, you know, look at Carson Wentz. You know, is there some things he can change? Yes. You know, from a, you know, from a fan's perspective, you can see that he's sloppy in the pocket. You can see that his base is wide at times, causing him to throw the ball high. Uh, but when you see the big picture, then you understand that it's it's not all on him. You know, you look at the young, poor wide receiver play. Uh, you look at the veteran play. Uh, it's inconsistent. There's they lack effort at times in uh, D-Jack. And then also Whiteside, you can say, is worse. Um, you know, offensive line, they're banged up. He has four or five guys that's just banged up or not even in the lineup. Another guy added to IR. Uh, so as a quarterback, what you want when you drop back or before you even drop back, when you get to the line, you want to get your team in the right play. You want to set the protection. Okay, I know my backside is covered. I know if this nickel and this wheel and this front side comes, my running back will pick that up, so I'm good there. So when I drop back, all I'm looking at is it one high or two high? High, three high, four high. Is it cover eight? And do where do I go with the ball? And this is my wide receivers getting their depth. Are they where they're supposed to be? So when you look at all of that, I, I'm not shocked that Carson is struggling because one, they can't protect him. So of course his feet is going to be sloppy in the pocket. And two, he doesn't have good wide receiver play. So he's trying to do too much. I said it week one. 
All you got to do is hand the ball off, settle this young man down, get this running game going so it can help this struggling quarterback and, and this struggling unit because he's trying to do too much right now. But it's not just him. This is a unit issue, not a Carson Wentz issue. So, so Brandon, you just did a better job than Doug Peterson did on the press conference. I totally agree with you that there's no reason for him to say anything but spread out the blame rather than put it all on Carson Wentz. Like crossing broad, because he's been bad, crossing broad put a big list of statistics up. I'll just read a few. QBR, 64, second to last. Six yards per pass, only three QBs are worse. 59% completion percentage, 29th. Eight sacks tied for most, 20 off target tied for most. Yeek. But listen, if you're not going to Jalen Hurts, then just say what Brandon's going to say. If you are ready to go to Jalen Hurts, then you can start, like, you know, planting the seeds. And like, hey, yeah, I don't know. Regress, progress. I don't know what's going on. I'm just the coach. But if, if you're sticking what? with Carson Wentz, then, Nick, I think there's a responsibility to build the guy up. Go ahead, Jenna. Yeah. I, Is I, this now yeah. a Jalen Hurts conversation? Is this the, are these the I, early rumblings of, of a potential no, quarterback controversy in no, Philadelphia, no. Nick? I don't. I don't believe that it's that at all. They're committed to Carson Wentz, but they know there is a problem. And if you're Carson Wentz, you, yeah, you don't love that Doug Peterson, I think he was caught off guard by the question and then had a moment of honesty and then spent the next 60 seconds yeah. trying to clean it up. But that opening 10 seconds lives forever. But, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the NFC East quarterback debate was who's the best, Dak or Carson Wentz? There is a new debate exactly. in 2020, and it's between Carson Wentz and all Danny Fumbles. Look at those numbers. The only <laughs> quarterback who's clearly been worse than Wentz this year is Kirk Cousins, and it, it's close. But Daniel Jones, who is struggling mightily this year, just taking care of the football, all his numbers are better than Wentz. Same number of touchdowns, fewer turnovers, better rating, more yards per pass, better completion percentage. And Brandon, I know it's a very small sample size, but this is not the graphic Eagles fans want being shown right now. They want wins compared to Goff, who's playing well, or wins compared to Dak. Giants fans, sure, too. But I like for Wentz right now, the comparison to be, okay, Dak's playing the best of any of the NFC's quarterbacks, then it's Dwayne Haskins, and then it's Wentz and Daniel Jones. That ain't great, Brandon. No, it's not great, but I, you know, I've been in this locker room so many times in, in this type of situation, and you know, a lot of times we only see one side of it. You really got to watch the film, and you got to see how the unit is operating together. And, and and I really laid it out, man. That's really it. You know, yes, there's some things he needs to clean up with his feet working in the pocket is sloppy. But at the end of the day, when you are, when you're not protected and you don't have wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey isn't even there. This guy is out there by himself. So you know, if I'm Doug Peters, I'm looking myself in the mirror and figuring out how do I can how can I settle this guy down with the run game and potential screen game. All right, let's see how Philly rebounds next up for them. A date with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. To the NBA Speaking now, the fallout continues for the Clippers. We are getting a closer look at what went on behind the scenes right oh, after the Clippers' final Oh, inject it into loss. my veins. Inject Wait it right into my veins, this. Jenna. Please. First things first. More of these stories. It's coming, Nick. More of these stories, Shannon.
For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. Welcome back. Let's talk a little Clippers now. The fallout continues after the Clippers crumbled against the Nuggets in round two. The latest report from Sham stating that Paul George asked for his teammates' commitment after the Clippers were eliminated. And that that speech was met with eye rolls and bewilderment from some in the locker room. And that that sentence I just said was met with eye rolls and a laugh from Nick Wright, who is currently still laughing. Uh, Roussard, let's start with you. What did you make of this report? Well, look, first of all, I believe the Lakers are going to win the championship. But for Nick Wright, they better win the championship because of the way he is handling the Clippers right now. But I'm going to say this. um, Look, I've heard similar things. I've heard that because of Paul George's inconsistent play, it's difficult for his teammates to put up with his platitudes. All right, he had two 10-point games against Denver, a 9- and an 11-point game against Dallas. So they really don't want to hear him talking about, you know, giving speeches in the locker room when they see your max player, former MVP candidate, perennial all-star playing like that. So that is a problem. I've heard the same type of things. I've also been told that some of the role players on the team actually think they're as good as Paul Paul George. So they are having problems mm, with the special treatment that he's gotten from Doc, from Doc Rivers. They can handle 
Kawhi getting the special treatment because for the most part, you know, but for a couple games against Denver, obviously, he delivered. You know what you were getting from him. But Paul Pierce was kind of up and down, and I'm told okay. some guys think they're just as good as him. So that is a problem. This is something they're going to have to work through, obviously, over the offseason and for next season. Everyone should read mm. this article because it's more than just, you know, the eye rolls about Paul George's platitudes. This, this, a lot, this whole article has just got Easter egg after Easter egg of, well, what, did you, what were you expecting? It starts with they, some of the players were mad at Doc Rivers for not playing a bigger lineup against Jokic yeah. and that they thought Jamichael <clears throat> Green should have gotten more minutes. Folks, Jamichael Green was not the answer in that series. Sorry to tell you. And this idea of, well, who's the big guy you wanted to play more? The Clippers were built like an all-time great 6-8 and under team. Like it's Zubats and then it's the, the, the smoky whatever's left of Joe Kim Noah. Like they didn't have big people. It was a problem all year. And the other, the, the other quote from Paul George on the record, which is ultimately we just didn't have enough time together, that to me falls totally hollow when you look at who's left in the bubble. Denver got to the bubble was such a mash unit, they had to play a four-center lineup. Remember that game we were talking about when it was Bowl Bowl and Friends because they only had seven healthy players? The Lakers added Anthony Davis, uh, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Markeith Morris, all to their rotation in the last year. The Heat, who have played better than anyone in the Eastern Conference, maybe anyone in the whole playoffs on either side, added Jimmy Butler, who else they had? Tyler Hero's a rookie. Duncan Robinson barely played last year. Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala came across mid-season. So they, they, they're just excuses. It's all excuses for a team whose stars didn't deliver in the biggest moments, whose coach once again blew a 3-1 lead, and whose other role players, if we're being candid, think they're better than they are. As much as Paul George struggled, if That's anyone right. other than Kawhi Leonard thinks they're as good as Paul George, Wilds, who, who on that team can say they think they're as good as Paul George? Lemon Pepper Lou and his turnstile defense? That's what I assume. Pat Beverly and his 30% three-point shooting? Montrez Harrell and his all-effort six-man of the year, good for him, but can't he rebound, like can't play D? Now. Like, come on. Like, who are these guys? So, I, I just, I, it's a lot of excuses, Brandon, for a team that I felt, or I think everyone felt, wildly underachieved and had their season end in total disgrace. Yeah, uh, I was wanting to say, you know what, let's get into the offseason. Let's have some conversations and figure out how we move forward together. Uh, I don't think you do that. You blow it up right now. Uh, you, you, you keep Doc. You keep Kawhi, what? obviously. You keep Paul George. That, that is your core. There's, you can't get better than that, right? You got you to gotta bank on that Paul George will, bank, will, will bounce back. But everybody else, you blow it up. Because when you, when you have these issues in the locker room, you have no chance. I don't care how good you are. When the locker room is fractured, you have no chance. We're seeing it on the other end, the Celtics. 
The Celtics, they have a disagreement in the locker room, but then they come out and win the game. And then they're at the pool hanging out, dancing, uh, wrestling each other. So you can tell that that team is together. They have, a, they have chemistry. They have continuity. This team doesn't have that. And the reason why is, is because it's bigger than just, you know, we, we're not seeing the floor to right the same way. We're not on the same page when it comes to how we're approaching defense, how we're approaching offense or load management. This is about I'm better than my star. Right. Like if you put your money into Paul George and you got people saying that I'm better than him, then there's egos. And then there's that's just a that's just a bad equation. Blow it up right now. Yeah. Take those three guys, figure it out because you can't get better than them. Wilds. like those are your core guys. And those three guys got to figure out like, OK, who are we and how do we want to proceed? How do we want to move forward and then be transparent with everybody else coming in? This is how we play ball here at the Clippers. We're embracing load management. This is how our superstars act in practice and games and are you willing to deal with it those players say yes you move forward with them they say no they can, they don't have a chance yeah i don't know how good of a motivational speaker paul george is if his big uh speech that that warranted all these eye rolls was hey let's let's stay together and remain committed and make another run and it's like this guy believes in me Paul George believes in me. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this guy. I'll give you, I'll give you the flip side of it, Broussard. What if he said this, which I guess is he, what he's supposed to say. Collectively, I feel like we have great pieces, but it's pretty glaring. We need one more piece or two more pieces. Because that's what Kyrie said, and we killed him for it. We killed him for it. That's the real answer. Paul George is saying, let's stay committed, and now he's getting killed? I don't get it at all. Look, we can talk about players they need to add. They need they could use a playmaking point guard or guard. Like Nick said, they could use some more size, even add some shooting. But I'm going to give you the two things that absolutely must happen for the Clippers to reach their potential next year. One, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has got to hold his Jeez. two stars, Kawhi and Paul George, accountable. All right? There are players in that locker room, I'm told, that are looking at Doc you talk about rolling eyes at Paul George. They're rolling eyes at Doc, too, because they're saying you're not holding those two accountable. You're not coaching them as hard as you're coaching us, but you jump on us for the things we're doing wrong. So, Doc, that was a problem even going back to Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan and others looked at that. You don't say anything to the stars, but you're jumping on us. So, Doc has got to hold all of them, including Kawhi and Paul George, accountable and coach them hard. Secondly, Kawhi Leonard's got to show more of a commitment to the team rather than just being a mercenary. He was a mercenary in Toronto, and it worked, so he thought he could do it with the Clippers. The Clippers agreed. They thought it might work, too. But now, he's next year, he's going to have to be at practice more, be engaged more in practice. And if he's if physically possible... He's got to scrap the load management and play roughly the entire so, season, 70-plus games. If that happens, they can develop chemistry. His minutes can – he played 39 minutes a game in the playoffs, 32 in the regular and season. He wasn't ready for it, so he looked gassed in the fourth Correct. quarters exactly in many right. of those games. So all exactly of those right. things so, have to happen for the Clippers. So, listen, it, all that sounds great, Broussard, and I don't say that dismissively. I think it does sound smart and great. The problem for the Clippers is they've got the sword of Damocles hanging over them all next year 
because they traded everything except for the fancy new arena they're building to get Kawhi and Paul George, and either or both of them can walk for nothing next season. They, they traded all that. They're like, okay, we're overpaying for Paul George, but we're getting Paul George and Kawhi, and we're going to get them for four years. Or maybe they'll sign three plus ones. And then Kawhi and Paul George came in and said, we're signing two plus ones. And the first year ended in disaster. So, you, yes, you need Kawhi to buy into it. But if he doesn't, you better be careful because he can walk away. And the other problem, Jenna, and this Where just, is... Where is he going to go? Forget the fact that Kawhi... Well, I, anywhere he wants. I don't know if he will leave. I just know he has the ability there, to leave. There's no, there's and no, Brandon, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's nowhere he can go. There's nowhere he can go. Where are you going to just keep bouncing from one team to another? Like you chose this. You and Paul George chose this. So you guys got to figure out who you are and how you want to proceed. Do you want to, you know, scrap load management? Do you want to embrace, continue to embrace load man management? And if so, make sure you guys have people in that locker room that understand their role and they're, they're going to embrace that philosophy as well. They're not on the same and, and page. The other thing, this locker room is... Jenna, sorry, Brandon, just real quick. The other thing, Kawhi's going to have to do something he's never been asked to do his whole career. He's going to have to be a leader. He wasn't asked to be a leader in San Antonio. He wasn't yep. asked to be a leader in Toronto. That was Kyle Lowry. He's been a great yep. player, but he's got to be a leader as well, which he has not yet shown that a willingness to be aside from through excellent play, except for, of course, in the second half against the Nuggets when he was terrible. We don't have to get into that. Go ahead, Jenna. Wilds is falling off the screen. A lot of items on this Clippers to-do list. It feels like we're only scratching the surface of this story. Switch gears now. Talk some football on the other side. How much did Drew Brees miss Mike Thomas last night? We discuss next. First things first. Wilds, what you doing with your chair, bro? You're like... On Sunday, we got a big doubleheader on Fox. First, the Niners take on the Giants or other regional action. Then Dak and Zeke lead the Cowboys against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks in America's Game of the Week. Check local listings for the games in your area. We'll watch it all on the Fox Sports app. Sing it, Wilds. Back to our top story now. Raiders hosting the first game in their new stadium. I bet it went well for them. You know, because I bet because of Vegas. You saw what I did there. Great night for the Raiders, oh, not the case for oh. Drew Brees. Did not have a no. great night. I'm on your corner, Nick. I'm on your corner. Drew Brees missing his star <laughs> receiver, Michael Thomas. Drew Brees couldn't get his offense going all night, and the Raiders get the 34-24 win. Here is the aforementioned Drew Brees on what went wrong for New Orleans. Um, are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. We're not even close to what we are capable of. Not even close. Um, we did some good things tonight early on, but it just uh, just wasn't enough for the the few opportunities we had. We needed to take better advantage of that. And we are now joined by Coach Eric Mangini. Yeah, Coach, good Coach. morning. Thanks for being with us. Good what, uh, what did you make of Drew Brees' performance last night? Well, first of all, Jenna, my, my son Luke does the same thing you do where he tells the joke and then he explains it to me. So I, okay. I appreciate All that. Right. Uh, I do I do like that. You can bet that you can bet that I like that, Jenna. Um oh, right. <laughs> Nobody laughs, so I have to laugh at my own jokes. Because nobody else laughs at my jokes, Coach. But thank you for bringing that up. I do, I do. 
When watching the game last night, look, obviously missing the number one receiver is going to be an issue, but there, there's so many more issues as as you watch things unfold. And and to me, to put it all on Drew Brees, and, and look, Drew wasn't taking total accountability last night for, for uh, the amount of points scored. You can hear him say in the, in the press conference over and over again the limited opportunities they have, and, and he's right, but he's talking about the fact that that Las Vegas was almost 60% on third down that the, um, you know, they couldn't stop Waller that the drive, the 36 minute time of possession when, when they had an opportunity to score in the eight meaningful drives they had, they scored four out of the eight, which is a pretty good percentage. We have such high expectations for breeze that if it's not, you know, 35, 40 points, every single game, then, then everybody's upset. But, but to me, when you're running the ball at 5.9 yards a clip, and then you've, you're giving up 60% of your third downs, you've got 10 penalties, you're stopping drives because of penalties. I mean, there, there are other issues with this team that go a lot deeper than just Drew Brees. Coach, I, I agree that there's other issues, and I, and I hate when we talk about sports and teams and guys in a vacuum. Um, because it's it, you know it's a team sport and, and football is the ultimate team sport right like we we got to have 11 guys on the same page we all know that however when we put you know everything into the hands of Drew Brees you know we pay you every single year top dollar to be the guy um, we're expecting you to lead the way I didn't like his comments after the game where he was like well my, my job is to make the right decision no your job is to go lead and go win ball games I mean you, the, the New Orleans Saints when you think about the New Orleans Saints we don't think about defense we think about offense and I said this all offseason I'm, and I'm gonna try to take a little bit of emotion out of it because I'm a passionate guy when I talk about football and I think some people may think that you know I'm coming off salty or you know maybe Brandon just doesn't like coach Payton or doesn't like Drew Brees no I think they're phenomenal competitors I actually like them a lot but the truth of the matter is the way they go about offense coach I think it's 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 not set up for success long term and what do I mean by that when you get to the playoff game and uh, playoff game and you get to those games in December and January when teams figured out who you are and what you're doing this year and how to take out a Mike Thomas or Alvin Kamara that's when I think it gets really tough for them and that's why I stand on this that you know what Drew Brees is just uncomfortable throwing to other people coach Payton is uncomfortable dialing it up for other people coach you know this there's a couple guys in the league that just when we talk about preparation and you talk about just putting their guys in in the right spot they're second to none that's coach Bill Belichick and that is coach Payton coach Payton knows where where, where the ball's going coach Payton knows what the defense is doing on third down 70 percent of the time they do this this is what's coming so I'm gonna put this receiver here so we can get this look and what do they do they dial it up for 13 and they dial it up for 41 so when you lose one of those guys due to injury or one of those guys being taken out of the game from a defensive scheme it makes everyone on that side uncomfortable you have to be able to put in another wide receiver another tight end that you feel comfortable with working your offense I don't think they're comfortable working their offense you can see that when he drops back and he's throwing to guys 
outside at 13, it's like, oh, this guy's wide open. Let me hit him. It's not, oh, let me drop back and go through my progression. So I think that, you know, they have a lot of work to do. This could be good for them. Not having 13 could be good for them because he's going to force Drew Brees and Coach Payton to really develop chemistry with other guys outside of 41 and 13. Well, one of the things he said that that I think has a lot of merit to it is when you think of the Saints, you don't think of defense. And for a long time, they didn't think of defense either. And it's the difference between between Brady and, and the Patriots and, and Drew Brees' career, why he has one Super Bowl, you know, as opposed to, to potentially multiple Super Bowls. When you go into a game yeah. and a guy like Waller has 13 or, or 12 receptions, and, and you don't switch it up where yeah. you're either double teaming or doing something to take away what, what they're obviously affecting you with over and over again. To me, that's an issue. When you have 10 penalties and penalties that derail drives, that, that's not a, a chemistry quarterback play caller issue. That's, that's a team discipline issue that, that needs to be addressed. And, and in terms of being comfortable with other players, when you've got as much experience with each other as, as those two guys have, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And you've got to, you've got to be, mm. be willing to switch things up. If you're going at 5.9 yards a clip running the ball, then, hey, maybe, maybe today's the day we run the ball significantly more than we want to. Those are all great points, but I have to go back to why Michael Thomas wasn't there. So, Coach, I have a very quick question for you, and then I'll keep going. When you're the head coach of a football team, perfect world, your final offensive play of a game is what? It's a knee. You're taking a knee. A knee. <laughs> exactly right. Thank you, coach. And the Saints had an opportunity to do that last week. And Sean Payton wanted to run up the score. And that's when Michael Thomas got hurt. They had an opportunity to take four knees, up 11, at the 10, give the ball back to the Bucks with 20 seconds left, and the Bucks would have taken a knee as well. Good night, good luck, good week one game. But Sean Payton, for all the credit everyone gives him, and he deserves a ton of it, also has a little bit of a jerk quotient to him. And sometimes you need that in football. I understand it. I get that. But he likes to rub it in a bit. He likes to hang 40 on you if he can. And that's what they were trying to do, and that's when the best player on their team got hurt. And that, and that is something, especially in a year, Wilds, where there is only one bye to be had, something that could haunt them all year long. They lost last night. They got Green Bay next week. They could have a great rest of their season. But if they lose these two games without Michael Thomas, they might end up being the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, instead of the one seed, and not have home field, not have the playoffs go through New Orleans, not have that one and only bye that's available. And I just, football is too brutal, too dangerous, too injury riddled to subject your players to extra p possibility of injury because you want to score 40 in week one over the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. It's just bad. It was a bad decision in real time. And that's why Michael Thomas wasn't out there. And Wilds, I don't think that point can be harped on enough this morning. I know you were early on that, Nick. I like you. That's a good corner for you. You've got LeBron is better than Jordan, and it's all Sean Payton's fault. They're good corners. I, the one of them is better than the other. The, the Saints one is better. Hey, uh, <laughs> Coach, real quick, Drew Brees' arm. We've heard a lot about, like, this uh, air yards thing. It's less than five yards a game. He's on the other side of 40. Is this just a symptom of, of Michael Thomas not being there? Is there a symptom of father time? 
Well, it, it could be a symptom of we're two weeks into the season and, and things really haven't unfolded the way that, that they will. When you look at these early games, it, it's hard to make definitive conclusions because you're, you're still learning who you are, who you need. Not the, the, and, I, and I say this a bunch, Kevin, is you go into a season with who you want to be, and then the good teams realize who they need to be, and they make that adjustment. <laughs> and this early part of the season, yeah. especially yeah. without any any preseason or, 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 or preseason games, it, there's that much more discovery of, of your team. So I wouldn't say, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable saying this is a function of his age or arm strength. It's, it's, we got to let it unfold a little bit deeper. Remember what Drew Brees is usually the last four games where he backs off a little, not the first four. All right, again, Saints host the Packers this weekend. That's right, Jenna. LeBron and AD can't count out these Nuggets just yet. They know a thing or two about coming yeah, back. That's next. This is first things no, no, first. No, no, they can't. Clippers ain't walking through that door, Jenna. They can count. Back here with Chris Broussard, we're talking Nuggets, we're talking Lakers, Anthony Davis's Game 2 heroics. Have the Lakers come in and with all the momentum, LeBron trying to stay on track against a feisty Nuggets team. Game 3 tips tonight, 9 o'clock. Broussard, let's start with you. Is it foolish for people to be counting out the Nuggets after back-to-back 3-1 comebacks from them this postseason? I mean, look, I, I expect the Lakers to win. I expected them to win. But I do think the Nuggets can come back and make this a competitive series. I picked the Lakers in six. Yep. Oh, it's wow. feeling like five right now. But I think the, the Nuggets can definitely come back and make it competitive. Obviously, they got to win tonight. There'll be no 3-1 comeback against the Lakers. Certainly not a 3-0 comeback. And there are some things they can look at and take from game two. Number one, for the first time in really six games against the Lakers this season, Jokic seemed to figure something out against that defense and had a, a big-time yep. game uh, against the Lakers for the first time this year. Jamal Murray has gotten better in e progressively throughout each of the first two series, so you would expect him to come out and play better. And obviously, Michael Porter Jr. had some moments. So I do think that the Nuggets come out tonight. I, I expect them to win. I think they come out and win the night. And mm. if they win the night, mentally they can feel yeah. good about themselves because they can say, look, no we chance. have outplayed the Lakers for the better part of this series. We could easily, maybe should be up 2-1, and then you've got a competitive series on your hands. So wow. I don't think the Nuggets are going to win tonight. I think the Nuggets missed their opportunity in game two. Game two, the Lakers got a – they rolled the Nuggets in game one. In game two, LeBron's doing whatever he wants through the first quarter and a half. The Lakers are up 15 points in the second quarter, and they started screwing around. They started doing, even by their standards, extra celebrations on the bench for anything Caruso did. Dwight is just in a constant arm wrestling battle with Jokic, and they, they, they <laughs> let go of the rope a bit. And they let the Nuggets <laughs> get like back into it, get rolling, LA. get confidence. And well, yeah. exactly right. And they, but the the Lakers were able to pull it out of the fire despite that. So I'm with Brandon on this. I think that I, I think this series is over. There's a famous NBA quote. It's Moses Malone, foe, 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 talking about sweeping his way through the playoffs. I think the Lakers are going to go five, 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 five. I think every series they play is going to be a five-game series. So the Nuggets might get one, and the NBA Finals might get one, but the Lakers are obviously going to not face an elimination this postseason. 
And here's the reason, Wilds, you're shaking your head, but I'll go to you, Wilds. Here's why. The Lakers <laughs> are still yet to play their best cards. They're like, a, they're like I, Bruce Art, I know you're a big-time, world-renowned spades player. It's like you got a spades hand, you, you bid seven, you got the big joker and the little joker, and you picked up five books, and you're like, I still haven't played the big joker or the little joker. They still are yet to play LeBron or Anthony Davis big minutes ever well, in this postseason. Djokovic. They're, they're both, no, different joker. They're, they're both averaging 34 jokers. minutes a game this playoffs. Batman they average 41 minutes a game between them. For, for their playoff career. So th they've each played 40 minutes once in this entire postseason. So if they need to, Wilds, they'll get a 44-minute game out of LeBron, a 43-minute game out of AD, and yeah. put the series away. So I just, I think the Nuggets missed their opportunity, Wilds. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I, uh, we all agreed that we thought this series was over. I treaded into the YouTube comments on our last, uh, yesterday's, Nuggets Lakers thing, which can be a, oh, no. a, a rough ride for your old buddy Kevin Wilde sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm like the hero of the thing, like Wilde's funny. Other times I gotta get a helmet on there, guys. I'll be honest with you, my hair's messed up. But there's, I thought there were some good points. Why are y'all saying this series is over? The Nuggets still come back. The series isn't over. We just watched this come back twice. And can we get Broussard some earpods, please? So we got the one earpods thing solved. But I think, still think this series is over. Broussard, you brought this up yesterday, and I, I thought you made the perfect point. And sometimes basketball is really complicated, and sometimes it's not. We got two living legends on the Lakers, and we don't have them on the Nuggets. There's only been eight duos in league history that have made first-team All-NBA, and here they are. Dr. J and Moses, Magic and Kareem, Bird and McHale, Stockton Malone, Jordan Pippen, Kobe Shaq, Omari and Steve Nash. Which sounds weird, but that's still like, you know, the architects of modern day basketball. And we have AD and LeBron. So when it comes down to it, this team is too good. These two guys are too good for the Nuggets, and that's it. Wow, that, I mean, that, that's powerful. I, I think that we're going to get the, the best Lakers team uh, we've seen. Uh, you know, this tonight is going to be a big game for them. I just don't see how you have the best player in basketball who is held accountable by legacy and the mission and winning championships full in this moment. To me, everyone's watching right now. He knows that. I just don't see him not coming out and having a big game. And then you have a, a top five player in AD who just hit a big shot that propelled him in the discussion of, you know, wow, can he carry this team for the next couple years? Is this his team now? When, when the game is on the line, is, he, is, is his number going to be called to take this shot? So I just don't see these two guys fold into a Nuggets team that literally just put, the, put a game together in the fourth quarter. Jokic, all season, they had an answer for. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter of the last game, he was able to put something together. I don't see him putting together four good quarters, which will be needed for them to beat the Lakers. Murray, you, I don't know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, uh, Porter, I, I think you, you said it, uh, Chris. You know, we've we seen some flashes of him. But for them to win this game, all of those guys are going to have to play big. You got the best player in basketball. You got a top five player in basketball. Both are held accountable. Their intentions are pure. They want to win championships. They, they believe in legacy. You don't see that in other guys. Like Kawhi Leonard, I don't know what his intentions are because he doesn't talk. You know, Paul George, 
Sometimes he doesn't seem motivated. Like, Good. he doesn't want to be there. Slander. These guys yeah. are locked in right Let's now. Let's fit that in. Well, we got the poor Clippers. Yeah. Drive-by Clippers. Slander. Yeah, go ahead, Bruce Hart. Ahead, that was great. I do know this. I do know this much about LeBron. You are right on this, Brandon. I know he wants to come out and have a big game tonight. You know, he, he, he looks at his second-half performance in game two, and there's no way he's satisfied with that. Obviously glad they got the win, happy for AD, but no way he's satisfied with the way he played, especially after making all of that fuss about the MVP award mm -hmm. and only getting 16 yeah, first-place right. for, uh, first votes. So LeBron is going to yeah. want to come out tonight and establish himself and play a great right. game. I still think the Nuggets can win this. I don't think they win the series. I don't think they even take them to seven. But I do think they yeah. can win this game yeah, but, tonight. But by the way, Broussard, all year long I've been campaigning for an MVP vote. I've never been happier to not have one than when LeBron started just flipping out about the voting. Because I'm like, oh, my fake ballot had Giannis too. That would have been terrible. That would have been brutal for me if I, if I had the vote and I didn't even throw mine to LeBron. Let me, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to break the segment a bit, Bruce. Right? I want to ask you one question totally off the board. But we went into this season and this postseason, and I feel like the question was for a lot of people, take Kawhi out of it for a moment, who's better, Giannis or LeBron? That debate obviously ended, it should have never started, but it ended. Is it, in your opinion, a debate, who's better, Giannis or Anthony Davis? Is that a legitimate question to ask, having seen this postseason up to this point? I think the difference is that Giannis can bring the ball up court, can get, take the ball himself and do some things. That's the difference. With AD... I, as good as he is on the perimeter for a big man, you still need a very good guard to get AD going. Giannis can get himself going. Now, again, I've I seen him be shut down in the playoffs. But during the regular season, and for the most part, he can get himself going. That's the difference. So I still would put Giannis ahead of the AD in that regard. And let's remember, if AD doesn't have LeBron, is he going deep in the yep. playoffs? We haven't seen that before, no. so I got Giannis still. I, I, I mm, do question. as well, but Anthony Davis averaging 34 a game in his first conference finals. He obviously almost won Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis ended up winning it this year. If Anthony Davis is spectacular in the NBA finals, if hell, if he were to win finals MVP over LeBron, I do think that discussion starts becoming a very real one as far as like the unicorn seven footers do everything types, whether or not AD has, he was ahead of Giannis. Giannis took over that spot the last few years if Anthony Davis has retaken it. I do think that question, Jenna, is, could become a very legitimate one in the coming weeks. Anthony Davis also still playing basketball. Giannis home. Hey, Broussard, yes. thank you so much, oh. as always. Still to come, our Carson Wentz and the 0-2 Eagles already in trouble this season. That is next. First things first. Does that Dinner with the subtle shots. All right, let's talk some Russell mania now. It's only been two weeks, but we have officially seen what happens when the Seahawks let Russ cook. League-leading nine touchdowns for Mr. Unlimited. Yep, our friends at Fox Bed have Russell as the favorite to win MVP, followed by Pat Mahomes and Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler. Let's keep in mind we've only played two dose, two weeks of football, but still.
DK Metcalf also taking notice, tweeting this yesterday, starting my rush for MVP campaign today. I love this. Again, a little early. Uh, Coach Mangini's back with us. Coach, has Pete Carroll finally figured out the recipe for unleashing Russell Wilson? Let him cook. Well, again, we're, we're, we're two weeks in. The two teams that they played are the Atlanta Falcons, who obviously have a little trouble playing defense, and the New England Patriots, who gave up five passing touchdowns, and I think they'd only given up four the year before. So there's been significant um, they, they, they've taken some significant steps back with all the, the opt-outs defensively in New England. The idea of, of, of classifying this as being the, the formula that's, that's going to carry them through the course of the season, I think, is the wrong approach. If, if you just oh, go into no. it and think, hey, look, last year they ran the ball and they ran the ball consistently, and that helped Russell Wilson do a ton of great things. <laughs> Two years. And now, if you if you just want to throw it all over the place, you know it it it'll it'll work. You know against against some teams, and then you're going to get smacked by other teams. I I don't think it's a function of letting him cook. I think it's a function of of doing whatever you need to do to 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 push the things forward offensively, and and not go to extremes one way or the other. No, we want what extremes, Nick? coach. In this instance, we want extremes. We want the, the now listen, Wiles <laughs> made the point that Pete Carroll might have let him cook one play too long, that he had it was on a nice simmer the whole game, and then he turned the heat on high on that third and one bomb when they could have just iced the game. They almost set the kitchen on fire. I understand that. That was a little too much cooking. <laughs> but in general, we are cooking the right amount here, Brandon. When you pick the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl. The only reason I disagreed with you was I was worried that Russ was not going to be allowed to cook enough. And he is cooking up a storm right now. He's the second best player yeah. in the whole league. And I will even say, second. you could make the argument he's the best. You could make it. I won't, I mean, I'll disagree with you, but okay. it's a legitimate argument. Those receive DK Metcalf. Looks like the combine freak he was coming out of Ole Miss and then some. You talked about the unbelievable deep ball combination he's had with Tyler Lockett over the last few years. They don't have great a great running game, and they haven't had, per carry, a great running game since Marshawn Lynch left. Let Russ cook. This is the formula. And if you're playing the Seahawks, Brandon, you're praying they take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand. So I credit, I give Pete Carroll credit. Yeah. I think he finally was bullied and peer pressured by the blogs and Twitter, and he's finally letting Russ cook, and it's led to a near-perfect start to the season. Yeah, Jenna, this is a good question. I'm glad you you asked this question uh, because it's a great it, it starts a great uh, discussion and and, and conversation. Uh, but the more we have it, the more I understand Coach Carroll. We have to think about this. Go back to 2014, 2015, back to back Super Bowls. They won one. What was the recipe? The recipe was play really good defense, run the ball. And let Russ make those big plays like we're seeing right here in those defining moments. So when you think about that, right, like you're like, this is the formula. This is our recipe to get back to that. 
And I think that's what Coach Carroll has been trying to replicate. Now, you also got to think about the maturation of Russell Wilson. When you think about Russell Wilson, you think about how dynamic he is as a playmaker and scrambling and with his legs and making these amazing throws. But there's also a maturation for him as a quarterback. And we don't really talk about that. I think the last two years is when he's been ready to, to, to cook. And I know this conversation has been around for a couple of years. But when you think about how this team is set up from an offensive standpoint, they never had that play caller that they were, were really uh, comfortable with. This is Coach Schottenheimer's third year in this system. So you think about them being comfortable and finally saying, okay, I'm comfortable with my play caller. You understand the identity of the team. You understand Russell Wilson. You understand what we're trying to do here. Now, that's I think that's why you're seeing Coach Carroll really uh, uh, let go of the leash just a little bit. Because I do believe he has a formula. And I don't think he's wrong because it worked for them in the past. It's really hard to get to the Super Bowl. It's, it's damn near impossible. So when you've done it two times, like, why wouldn't you do the same thing? But when you have Russell Wilson, I think this is where Coach is really uh, letting go a little bit. You have to be able to do what you have to do week in and week out. Sometimes it's relying on the run game. Sometimes it's passing. And, and he's like a basketball player. If he's hot, let him go. Don't worry about running the ball. Let Russ go win the game for you because he's can't, but because he can. The, er, earlier in this year, Russ talked about never receiving an MVP vote, but I don't know whose MVP he wants. Does he want Lamar's? I don't think so. Does he want Mahomes? Does he want Brady's? So I, I, this narrative that he needs the MVP has kind of been floating around, which is why I think Metcalf put that out. And then, of course, the social media maven, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, was quick to respond. Boom. He's like, by the way, I'm starting my <laughs> Kyler for MVP campaign. So, Brandon, as, as a wide receiver, I'm looking at Julian Edelman. We know he's got a, we know he's got a full media unit. Oh, Nick, yeah. I'm looking at Tyreek Hill. I checked his... I checked his Twitter today. I'm like, man, maybe there's some real problems in Kansas City. I haven't seen any tweets from Sammy Watkins, nothing from Cheetah about Mahomes. This could be so a I, thing. I'd be very nervous. It, it's definitely a thing, yeah, Brandon. Wilds. Thank you. We're making it. Wilds, we're making it I a give thing. you. I get. <laughs> Wilds, I give you credit for having the journalistic integrity to not even include no tweets from Godwin about Brady. Like, of course there isn't. I think he's got a 78 passer rating. So good job by you on only including the elite players in the league still. So I appreciate that. Coach, can we revisit this issue here? Because you and I have been having this argument for years. And I understand how Seattle made those Super Bowls to Brandon's point. But that was a different team. That was Russell Wilson in year two and year three, not in his prime. That was a team with Marshawn Lynch, and that was a team with multiple Hall of Fame caliber players on that defense. Now you're a team that is rebuilding the defense. You have Bobby Wagner, obviously, who's an unbelievable player, and you just added Jamal Adams. You haven't been able to replace Marshawn Lynch for a half decade. And Russell Wilson is the best mm. he's ever been with the deepest receiving core he's ever had. Like, New England had one way to win games when they had Gronk and Hernandez, one way to win games when they had a bunch of just slot receivers and uh, good running backs, like, and now a different way to win games with Cam. Like, shouldn't they evolve, and isn't this them evolving into, our quarterback's the best he's been, the strengths of our team are different, so let's lean into them. 
Well, one of the things that you do if you, if you have a defense that, that's young and, and evolving is you there is an element of trying to protect them. And then that means being able to to control the ball, not putting them in into shootouts. And and if you can run the ball consistently, the other thing that does and this is this is benefactor in Seattle is it protects your quarterback. The more that you can consistently make the defense honor the fact that you'll run the ball and not just be pass first. There's an element of those guys have to honor it as pass rushers, and it slows it down, and it helps Russell Wilson. And that was a formula that they had last year and was very effective. We got to look at where New England's defense ends up and where Atlanta's defense ends up at the end of the year to know whether or not you know this is an aberration. But when you look at it statistically, it looks like Atlanta's going to struggle. And when you look at what happened in the passing game, it looks like New England's going to struggle with that too. So I don't think that there's there's one formula and just quickly share a story. When I had Brett Favre, someone at the very high end of the organization didn't think I was letting him cook enough. And we we're playing Cincinnati with the worst run defense in the league. So we let him cook and he threw a pick for an, uh, an interception for a touchdown and we barely run the game. And then I got a call on Monday and said, well, why didn't you run the ball more? So these slogans are, are, are great, but they don't fit for, for every situation. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, man, this Seattle team, they're, they're really strong. I mean, for, for all these reasons that we're all talking about, they're all valid, but they can really do everything. Now, they, they, got a, uh, they had a big blow uh, to that defense with Bruce Irvin going down with an ACL, so we'll see how they bounce back from, the, from that. Uh, they struggled to get to the pass rusher, but this team can play good defense. I don't know if they, they can be a great defense, but they can be good. And then on the offensive side with Russell Wilson, we have, we're having this debate of letting him cook, uh, but they can, they can throw it 40 times a game if they want, and they also can run. And Nick, I think you are just, you're just, you're just way too disrespectful to Chris Carson. Like Chris Carson is a dog. This guy can tote it 30 times if they want, they, if they wanted to hand it off that many times to him so this offense mm -hmm. this team is yeah. built for a championship run um, you know and the last thing I would say about Russell Wilson is this because you know it's a good discussion because he should be talked about as an MVP he should be talked about as the best player in the National Football League because just think about if he had Andy Reid as his play caller what would he be doing yeah. but what makes He'd what makes this kid special is this He'd have been cooking. let me tell you what makes this kid special <laughs> What makes this kid special is that some people, they're just so cerebral and they just need to know where everyone's at. Russ is a student. He understands where everyone's at, but then he has this innate ability to see the whole field organically and naturally. Yep. He knows where everyone's at. That's why he's able to make those plays when he breaks the pocket because his eyes are everywhere and he does it effortlessly. So Russell, Russell Wilson is definitely on his way to, to get his first MVP. Well, and, and Liz, I'll just be very quick here. I'm going to use the Kevin Wilds corollary. What is your opponent hoping you do? And Kevin Wilds was watching that Sunday night football game, rooting for his beloved Patriots, praying Seattle handed the ball off. Take the hand it off. That's true. Nothing against Chris Carson. Hand it off. That's Keep true. handing it off. What he didn't want was Russell Wilson back there cooking because he was cooking Stephon Gilmore. He was cooking that whole Patriots secondary, who I actually think is still really good coach. They had three picks against Fitzpatrick the week before. I just think Russell Wilson cut him up, Jenna, diced him up like in a nice stew.
Right. <laughs> well, I'm suddenly analogy. starving. Coach, thank you very much. As always, take a break. Coming up, Drew Brees hoping what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. This is First Things First. Oh! Jenna is on fire just, with the wordplay today. I, just I on just fire. Add on Sunday, we got a big doubleheader on Fox. First, the 49ers take on the Giants or the regional action. Then, Dak and Z leading the Cowboys against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. It's America's Game of the Week. Check your local listings for the games in your area or watch it all on the Fox Sports app. And back to our top story this morning. The NFL's first game in Las Vegas. Raiders hosting the Saints Monday Night Football. Drew Brees didn't look like Drew Brees. Missed his star receiver, Michael Thomas, and just struggled to get his offense going all night long. Raiders get the win. Here's Drew Brees on what went wrong last night. Um, are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. We're not even close to what we are capable of. Not even close. Um, we did some good things tonight early on, but it just, uh, just wasn't enough for the... The few opportunities we had, we need to take better advantage of that. All right, Brandon, what do you think went wrong last night? How would you grade Drew Brees' performance? I mean, it's exactly what I've been saying all year. You know, going back to uh, around draft time, you know, I got called out for just saying, I don't think this team is capable of being a contender because of how they approach their offense. I think they're, they're way too heavy when it comes to uh, getting the ball to 13 and 41. They're tremendous players. Um, definitely guys that you need to put in a box and say, you know what, let's create 100 plays for these guys each and every game. Uh, but they're uncomfortable developing uh, you know, plays and, and getting other guys involved. They're uncomfortable uh, throwing the ball to, to other tight ends, other wide receivers, and we saw that last night. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to come off salty, but it's just the truth. I've been around a lot of offense, and, and yes, do you, do you want to get, get the ball to your best players? 100%. But at the same time, when they're not there due to injury or if a defense take them away, you have to be able to win ball games with other people. Taysom, Taysom, Taysom Hill is not the guy that's going to be able to carry your team when Mike Thomas is not there. This is a guy that, that accounts for 41% of everything you do in the passing game. That is a problem, all right? You'll see other quarterbacks and other play callers that do a great job of being able to go through an offense organically and naturally. What they they do because they are well prepared. They know exactly what's happening on the defensive side. Like Coach Payton, you know, he's it's outside of Bill Belichick. I don't know of anyone who prepares better. He knows every situation when it comes to football and who they're playing against that Sunday, that Monday night. Uh, Coach Payton goes back and watch films, film on defensive coordinators from what they were doing in the 80s and the 90s. You'll go up in his office at midnight and he'll be like, yo, look at this play. I'm breaking down this defensive coordinator when he was in college. Like this dude is next level when it comes to prep work. I would just like to see them take other wide receivers, other tight ends, and built their packages just a little bit more so they're comfortable in these moments. Because like we talked about earlier in the show, Nick, you talked about it. It's inevitable for guys to go down. This is a violent sport. It's brutal. We're seeing it more than more than ever uh, what happened Sunday across the league. So they have to develop other guys. 
Well, and which is why the fact that Michael Thomas got hurt when they could have been taking knees is just absolutely egregious. Like, the Saints have had a brutal, brutal luck over the last three years in the playoffs, but sometimes you make your own luck. And when in week one you could get out of it relatively unscathed and you try to hang 40 on the Bucks to send a message and now you don't have Michael Thomas and you lose a winnable game to the Raiders, you play the Packers next week, you could start one and two and in a year where there's only one bye, it, it could be really bad for you. Yeah. I mean, you your season, and I know they haven't started 2-0 and since 2013, so they're used to not having you know a great early start. But also previously, there were two buys to be had, and now there's only one. But the problem was not just not having Michael Thomas out there. I mean, if we showed Drew Brees' interception, you almost want to defend him on the interception because it did kind of look like the Raiders player was almost camouflaged by where he was standing on the field on the Raiders yeah. logo, like his uniform and the logo. I, I do wonder if Brees just flatly didn't see him. Like, if you see the overhead view, he kind of blends in with the logo. But aside from that, Brees is dinking and dunking throughout the game. The Saints run defense despite the Raiders' two best run blockers, Trent Brown and Richie Incognito being out, what was abysmal throughout the game. I think the Saints have some real problems here, Wilds, that are only exacerbated by the fact that the most productive receiver over the last three, week, three years is going to be out a number of weeks because he sustained an injury with a minute 10 left in a blowout because the coach wanted to run up the score instead of take knees. Jenna, I think with all of these old quarterbacks, the media is in a tricky spot. We've got to look at every game now and say, all right, did Drew Brees, a normal quarterback who is throwing for 4.82 air yards per attempt, just having two bad games, or is an old quarterback having two bad games? It's the same thing we're talking about Brady. It's the same thing we're going to start talking about Rodgers to a more of an extent. Same thing we talk about Phillip Rivers. Every time these guys have a bad game, it's like, oh, they, they got a noodle arm. Carson Wentz is playing terribly, and no one talks about that. So I can't tell right. how much of this is media creation slash ageism, just getting old, and how much of it's just like, nah, man, Michael Thomas is out. I don't have no, I don't have my deep threat. It is what it is. But the only thing with Drew Brees is that normally it's the last four weeks of the season where his arm drops off, not the first couple of weeks, which is why there's mild cause for concern. Speaking of Wentz, let's talk some Eagles. Rough start to the season for them. Two weeks in, and they're 0-2. Mired in injuries. Their quarterback, who's finally healthy, not playing well. Here's Doug Peterson yesterday when asked about Carson Wentz. In Carson's fifth year in the league and fifth year working with you, why are you seeing his production and his performance regress? Progress? Regress. Oh, regress. regress. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did cut out there a second. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a good question. He's like, Not progress? Good. Oh, Not regress. Good. good point. Yeah, no, no, no. Trust me. I know my guy. Jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we rolling? That's basically what happened with Doug Peterson. Brandon, what'd you make of his raw honesty yesterday for at least a brief moment? I mean, it was it was exactly that. It was a, a, he was raw. He was transparent. And that's a moment I think he would want to have back. You just don't want to have that type of discussion uh, with the media. Um, but I will say this, you know, looking at Carson Wentz, if you watch the film, even the clips that we show, we shown um, his feet is bad. Right. So there's things that he can work on. Yes. 
But at the end of the day, like you can't talk about the Eagles in a vacuum and just focus on Carson Wentz in, that, in, in the quarterback position. You got to look at how this offense is set up. Their wide receivers, their young wide receiver play is bad. They're not helping out at all. And then when you look at the veteran wide receivers, D-Jack, you know, I, I think there's some effort issues. Sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. And Whiteside, there's a there's an argument there that he's even he's even worse. Alshon Jeffrey isn't there. Now let's also look at the offensive line. Look how banged up they are at the O-line position. They just put another guy on IR a few days ago. Yep. So when you look at this offense, you know, to me, it's not about Carson Wentz. It's more about this unit as a whole. What can you do to help out this struggling offense? Let's let's really commit to the run. Let's really commit to, in the past game, just yeah. get it out as quickly as possible. Yeah. The, Carson Wentz is struggling. The Philadelphia Eagles are struggling. Yeah, the, the problem is Wentz has been part of the problem rather than the one silver lining. This is a guy who had seven interceptions each of the last three years who already has four through two games. This is a team with the second-worst point differential through two weeks of any team in the league. They're tied with the Jets. The only team who's been worse is Houston, who had the unfortunate luck of playing Kansas City and then Baltimore. And it's even worse for the Eagles because they started the year off 17-0. Since the opening half of the year, the opening 29 minutes of the year, Jenna, they've been outscored by 45 points. Wentz has been bad. The team's been bad as a whole, Jenna. All right, we got let's the move Bengals on. we got another minute and a half or so left. Oh, Let, yeah, Bengals. they do. Little Joe I'm Burrow still talking action. Bengals, Jetta. Let's play still the X Factor. I see that. No, no, you got it, Wilds. And you know what? We're over in a minute. You can talk to them the rest of the day today. Uh, Lakers Nuggets, game three tonight, 9 p.m. L.A. up two games to none. Brandon Marshall, what is the X Factor this evening? I got to go with the, the, the Lakers defense against Yoka. Jokic in the paint, the Joker. Uh, they got to do a good job of containing this guy. They did it all, all year throughout the regular season. They can't let him uh, step into his own tonight. He did it and flashed in the fourth quarter of the last game. They can't do it this time. Playoff Rondo, Nick. He threw the inbound pass to Anthony Davis. If you get a chance to watch the clip, then he just calmly walks off while there's Mardi Gras in Orlando over by Anthony Davis. He's been there before. <laughs> Look for a big game out of playoff Ronda tonight. Yeah, I think you're going to have a bounce-back game from LeBron after his bad second half last time out. And I think the Lakers understand there's blood in the water here after the Nuggets had a chance to even the series. LeBron and Anthony Davis have only each played 40 minutes once this postseason. I would imagine, Jenna, they both played big minutes. The Lakers put a stranglehold on the series, go up 3-0. So the minutes for LeBron and AD is the X factor. Well, I don't know. Denver had all the momentum. Now it seems the Lakers have all the momentum. Game three tonight, Lakers Nuggets.